Okay, hi everyone. This is Travis with Access for 2K. Uh, this is the developer conference call for the Darkness 2. Um, we have Dan Schmitteau on the line, associate producer, and also Sheldon Carter, creative director. Um, and as you guys know, this is for the Darkness 2. comes out next Tuesday, February 7th, Xbox 360, PS3, and PC. Um, before we get into the questions, uh, Dan or Sheldon, do, do you guys want to kick it off with a quick overview of what the Darkness 2 is? Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do that. Um, so Darkness 2 is the sequel to Darkness 1. That's why there's a 2. Um, and uh, it's story-wise, it's um, two years since Jackie basically, um, who is a Don, uh, a Don, he was a, a mob hitman. He inherited the powers of the Darkness when he was 21. And he kind of used that power... Um, to, uh, to get revenge after the mob killed his girlfriend. So at the end of uh, the first game, we leave Jackie, and, uh, and our game picks up two, two years later. Now he's the dawn of the mob family, um, and he's been attacked, and someone is trying to take the darkness from him and has kind of rekindled that spark. So that's kind of the broad setting for you know, where the game starts off. And then in terms of, you know, I think actually through the questions, we'll probably be able to tell you about quad wielding, how that works, the graphic noir art style, and, and just kind of how the storyline digs in a bit more. Right on. So uh, let's get this started. First question, often first-person shooter genre struggles to offer players variety. What mechanics does the Darkness 2 offer to offset tedium? Yeah, so I, I guess we have a couple different ways of tackling that. Um, one is that I think our first pillar when we were building the game was in service of story. So we really, you know, this is a, a narrative-driven game, and we really want the player to have that experience and, and have that story that's kind of all the way through. So I think in terms of the context of kind of why you're killing in a first-person shooter, um, the darkness really stands out that way. Um, in terms of mechanics, uh, you, that's where you start getting into the quad wielding. When you've got two demon arms on the screen at all times, you've got one that can grab things in the environment, grab enemies. You've got Slash, which lets you um, use a, a gesture-based system to um, cut enemies up and, and kind of interact with the environment as well. And then you layer onto that powers and, uh, and the Darkling and, and actually possessing the Darkling at certain times. And uh, you have a lot of different, we have a lot of different tools in our belt to kind of uh, offset that. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, that, you know, kind of definitely touches on, on you know, what helps make it kind of unique and, and you know, to, as, as Travis said, kind of offset that, that tedium. And I think, again, Sheldon, one of your points, you know, how you're saying it's all in service of story and, you know, that's really key to the game. And, you know, again, part of kind of where the quad wheeling came from and always putting the character in, uh, or sorry, the player in Jackie as a character. And, you know, we want the player to feel like they're Jackie Estacado from these comic books. And so always keeping it in first person and really kind of, you know, varying the pace and, you know, the diverse environments and kind of the gameplay uh, you know, we think really kind of helps reinforce uh, that vision and you know that that feeling for the player as they're as they're playing through. Right on. Uh, moving on, what were the challenges for digital extremes in blending their own creative ideas and concepts with a sequel that had to remain true to the original game? Hmm. Well, when we started off in the game, the one thing that we really wanted to hold on tight to was. You know, as we've said a couple times now already, it was a story. We really wanted the, we thought the first game, um, the the moments that let you kind of breathe with the character and understand the, the character and what he was going through, we thought those were the things that were kind of most important and the crucial parts from the first game we wanted to hold on to. Everything else we felt like, you know, there was an opportunity there for us to take a look at and to say, you know, how can we adjust this? What can we tweak in order to... Um, you know, put our own creative spin on it, and also maybe if there's ways that we could bring it even closer to the origins of uh, of the character itself. So to that end, I mean, I think a good example of that is our art style. With graphic noir, we really wanted to create an art style that, you know, we were really inspired by the comic books. When we started making the game, we just were going through all this all the, um, the reference material, all the source material, and we thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if you could play a game um, you know, the darkness game and have it feel like the source material that the game is based on. So, I mean, that's just an example, but um, I think, you know, we were able to keep that root of a strong narrative and everything else, you know, we looked at and we, we found ways to improve. Right on. It seems like violence, it seems like the violence in the game has been amped up, especially with the shocking yet fantastic opening sequence. 
was it hard to find a balance between the high-octane action and the calmer story-based moments that seemed to define the series? Um, I mean, I think it kind of, you know, again, using kind of the comics as inspiration and, you know, building off the great story uh, flow kind of from, from the first game, uh, I mean, it, it was challenging, but at the same time, it kind of gave some pretty unique opportunities to, you know, take this intense, darkness lore, the, the quad wielding, the, the demon arms and you know, and then kind of the mob setting, you know, but also tie it into uh, you know, Jackie as a person and again making players feel like they're this this character and using the the story and the, the gameplay progression from high intense moments like, you know, the the second part of the restaurant scene versus the first part where you're you know, you're this mob don, you're this uh, you know, head of this family kind of living the life of this guy. You're going through, and it seamlessly blends into this high-octane action. And, you know, that's kind of kind of demonstrates how the game flows uh, kind of through the, through the whole experience, really. And so, yeah, it was challenging to, to kind of get that balance. But, um, you know, in the end, just making sure that the story and gameplay were always kind of in service of each other, uh, you know, just really helped us to be able to achieve that, basically. Yeah, and from a pacing perspective, it's super important. I mean, mm-hmm. the problem I think that you can run into um, is that, you know, if everything's at 11, right. then then nothing resonates at all. <laughs> and so for us, I think it was it was interesting because we were able to go so crazy with some of the things that you could do with the demon arms right. because it got, you had times where you're kind of wandering around a hub and you're just mm-hmm. talking to people and you're just having dialogue. You're just having these kind of quiet and slower interactions. And that kind of lets the player take a breath and kind of have a different mode of thinking for a little bit so that when it, you know, when the next thing you know, you're grabbing a guy by the legs and ripping him in half, it, uh, you know, it has that punch. You can punch to 11. If there's, if there's no room in that range and it's always like that or, you know, right. reverse, you know, it doesn't work. So it's right. a nice opportunity with something like the darkness to do that. Yeah, and I think I think one of the important keys is I think a a lot of games will try and do eleven, you know, like the whole time. But the part that gets tricky is if the if it doesn't feel like the story is progressing you to eleven, you know, then there's that that disconnect, and yep. you know that's where it can kind of fall apart. And so again, it was a major challenge, but. Um, you know, is is also an exciting opportunity to try and get those married together in such a way that going to eleven made sense. To yeah, the player, it, to and, and not to keep dwelling on this one, but I think the other thing about that is that we wanted to make a game where the player that wanted the quieter experience could have mm-hmm. times to do that, and the player that that doesn't, there, you know, there is that player that just wants to just keep quadrilling. They want to keep oh, getting yeah. in there and, and shooting and killing their way through this game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's, it, that's the challenge. That, the challenge I think, you know, we see is that is, is how do you make sure that there's something that caters to both of those, both of those groups. And it's, it's interesting sometimes seeing the reactions from two different types of play styles, right? You, you see the, you know, you see the one group who's just kind of, they've got into it. They get the backstory, they get the lore, and they've had that that uh, shooting experience, but it feels kind of like a more an up-and-down experience. And then there's the other guys who just kind of like race through and they're just killing everything. And they, they have it more like an adrenaline game. So it's interesting that way. Yeah, for sure. Now we've got a series of story questions. Uh, the first one is, how did you decide the story's direction in the darkness too? How did we decide the story's direction? Interesting. Um, well, I think one of the things that was... Um, neat about when we started off the game is that uh, Paul Jenkins, he was the writer on uh, Darkness 1 and he's, he's the writer on Darkness 2 as well. And, uh, you know, I think we all sat down together and started talking about this game and again, you know, what are the types of moments and, and how we wanted to kind of hold on to certain things from Darkness um, Darkness 1. And then for Darkness 2, it was just like, you know, what's what's the progression of all the aspects of Jackie's life. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where Jackie isn't a mob hitman anymore, which is why you don't see him kind of riding around on the subway and wearing that kind of, uh, the, the trench coat hitman attire. He's, you know, if you've seen our Jackie, he's, he, he looks like a Don because that's what he is. He runs the family. And so we really wanted this to be a progression of the character and not something that's, you know, I think there's always a, 
there's always a pull to be like, well, just keep everything the same, just like the first game, and uh, and you know just retread that same situation again in a different way. And so for us, we really didn't want to do that. We wanted this to be a continuation of this story, uh, a development of this character, because we felt like there's so much more for this character um, to kind of give to gamers and to the audience. And with that, the next question asks. The Darkness isn't a game that strictly set or that strictly set itself up for a sequel. It seems to end with Jackie being consumed by the darkness. From what we've seen of the Darkness 2, though, Jackie Jackie's life seems to have gone on more or less as normal. Was working around the ending and circumstances of the first game a challenge in creating the narrative opportunity for a sequel? Um I don't know if you want to take this down, but from my perspective, it wasn't really because we, we felt like um where the where the first game end was was how was kind of a a metaphor for Jackie and, and Jenny and, and their kind of tying up for where he was at in terms of uh, taking revenge for her death. Um, you know, we didn't feel like Jackie had died or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the intervening years, I guess what's happened is Jackie is also horrified by what happened at the end of the game. And so he suppressed the darkness for the last two years. And that's something that we kind of expressed to players. You know, we kind of fill you in on the backstory. Um, as you play the first few hours of, of Darkness 2. And we kind of let you know Jackie's suppressed the darkness. He doesn't, he doesn't like the darkness. Their relationship is very antagonistic. And he feels, well, that the darkness is in part responsible for a lot of the hardship in his life, even though at some times he has to use it. So I think, you know, from that perspective, it really wasn't that hard. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of just a, a bit to add to it. I think it was a neat um, kind of way to show you know, how Jackie matured as a, as a person because he was, you know, relatively young in, in the right. first game and there was so much happening to him as his girlfriend. You know, he gets this, the, he becomes a darkness host and there's a lot of change really quickly for him and, and you know, so it's only, it's, it's only natural for him to kind of keep progressing and, you know, and mature as a character and, and a person and obviously at the end, you know, he starts to make his way towards becoming the dawn of the family and, you know, he really kind of quickly realized that, hey, this darkness thing that I have is really getting out of control and, you know, it's going to mean bad things for me if I can't figure out how to how to suppress it. But, you know, we we had that two-year gap to try and figure out, okay, where did he get to in these two years? And, you know, like Sheldon was saying, kind of through through darkness too, you know, we we exposed the player new and, and, uh, and old to what happened to this guy, where is he going, and, you know, make him kind of mature as a character through being the dawn and then even the darkness powers, um, you know, kind of as it, as it progresses. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, we think players will uh, be able to resonate kind of with who this guy is. And you guys just talked about this, uh, but if there's anything else to add, the next question asks, how has Jackie changed since the events of the first game? I think, you know, we, we did kind of touch on it, but I think it's, it's you know, he didn't, it's not like he had a great relationship with the darkness in the first game, but he's just so wary of it um, in this game. It's, it's definitely, you, at a certain level, you could say that, you know, the darkness is, the darkness as an entity is the main villain um, for the game. In, in spite of the fact that we, we introduce lots of other um, external factors, Jackie always has to deal with this voice in his head that he, that he can't stand. And I think kind of understanding that on a, uh, kind of an internal level, and then also just the responsibility and the weight of being the dawn of a family. Because Jackie's someone that believes in the old ways. You know, he's, he's old school when it comes to being a mobster. And he thinks his family, like he, he thinks the mob family is his family because that's the only family he's ever known. So, you know, in terms of the weight that he carries for uh, and the care that he has for the members of his family, I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a huge difference in Jackie as well. For those who haven't played The Darkness, how easy will it be for newcomers to pick it up and get acquainted with the story? Um, I, I mean, I think we do, you know, even right off the bat, um, you know, I think the game does a good job of filling those players in, um, you know, that may not have played the, the first game and really kind of getting them acquainted with, you know, what The Darkness is itself, who Jackie is, kind of the, the story where he got to... Um, uh, how we got to be the Donna family and, you know, even the other characters, you know, that rolled over and just kind of who he is as a person. And, you know, that was, that was really important to us making sure that, 
those that didn't play the first game would, you know, get that kind of same experience and and understand, you know, the the story that we're trying to tell. Um, so so it was a you know a big part of the game, and it's slowly ex- exposed to the player kind of you know over the course of uh, the play. Yeah, and the other thing is that I think you know what's funny is that we we understand that those are the types of players that are gonna. Uh, check out they're going to go and they're going to talk to all the characters in the hubs and they're going to yes. they're going to collect all the relics they're going to get all that stuff and i think yes. you know if you're that if you're not that type of player we actually give you a you know just the option right away when you start the game to kind of get that previously on the mm-hmm. darkness recap which i think is pretty awesome because it gives you oh, yeah. the the full the, download okay. if you uh if you missed it just in case Right on. Can you guys talk about the challenges and opportunities presented in creating a story and an interactive game in the dark in the universe of the darkness? It seems like combining a realistic or real-world mob story with the supernatural elements of the darkness could be both daunting but also very opportunistic. What's your take on this? Um, well, I mean, I guess one of the things that I would say with that, it, the, it's unfortunately an easy answer, and the, the easy answer is that... Um, you know, there is there's now a hundred issues of the Darkness comic book for us to to look at in terms of figuring out how to establish it. And then once it's established and you kind of understand the rules, and that's what was great about having uh, Paul on board and also just kind of the support from the Top Cow guys as well. We have all the rules, we understand the universe, and then we say, okay, what's our branch? How are we branching from this universe and what things are we keeping? And kind of when you know those things, it makes it really easy to... Um, makes it really easy to at least start the framework. The, the tough part comes in when you're mm-hmm. understanding the, the character interactions um, and, uh, and kind of the emotional experience that we're trying to craft for the player. So uh, yeah, I don't know if that, that answers it, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that, you know, that totally kind of touches on uh, you know, how, how we're able to, to do that and kind of combine the two worlds. And I think from, you know, more from a... a combination standpoint, you know, you have kind of mafia, mafioso, you know, kind of real world uh, setting, you know, kind of, you almost have it as a standalone in, in theory. And then right next to it, you have, you know, this the kind of supernatural darkness. And as Sheldon was saying, you know, we had, you know, great support from Top Cow and, you know, and Paul Jenkins obviously really understands the universe and, and the story. And so, we had all these tools to to make sure that we could fit them together well and have it play out in a believable sense. And you know, even you know, going down to the details to okay, well, how how are these mob guys that have never seen the darkness, never seen Jackie, how are they going to react to him when they encounter him on the street? You know, what are they going to say? How are they going to act? You know, just little things like that, and making it believable is kind of what you know helps solidify these two. Um, you know, ideas, themes uh, into one, and and make sure that it that it flows well, and that they feel like they're combined, and not, um, you know, have it not feel like a balancing act. Uh, so I think that was kind of you know part of it that, you know, that really helped was just making sure the the interactions worked well together. Our last question in the story section asks, what influences the decision to choose certain stories to put into the game when the comic has such a long-standing history to choose from? Yeah, I'd like to think of I like to think about the game as almost there's there's a touch of kind of in comics they have like the else worlds or the you know what ifs and so the darkness with the first game when Paul Paul wrote that game I think you know there were like I said there was established rules of how we branched away from that and so it, it's nice because you can look into the lore and the history and say okay these are cool characters like the Brotherhood the Brotherhood is the main enemy of the of the game the the guys that fight you and know how the darkness works and that's something that's right out of the comic in terms of the concept of the brotherhood but how they look and how they feel and and even a little bit of what their organization structure is like you know it's one of those things that we had the opportunity because we are a branch from the comic not kind of tied to the canon um, and it let us really um, mold that into the new medium and I think that's important anytime you're doing something where you're transferring a story or a concept from one medium to another you have to kind of understand what are the things that are going to work for that and, and what aren't and I think you know <laughs> some of the brotherhood when you look at them uh, in the comic book you know they've got like they've got monk hats and really pointy uh, pointy monk hats and they're interesting but uh, you know we didn't feel like 
with the the mob tone that we have, uh, like the Dan was just talking about, maybe that would seem almost comical, and we really didn't want the uh, the mobsters and the uh, Brotherhood to have that them as enemies couldn't be um, have that element. So, I guess it's it's been the fact that we can look at it and say, hey, here's something that's great. This is something that gets the darkness and can hurt the darkness. How can we pull this over and make it work in a video game? Cool. Moving on to uh, actually playing the game now. Uh, first question is, how do you balance quad-wielding, heart-eating, shield-grabbing, and all the other abilities in the darkness too with the action that occurs in first-person shooter gameplay? You want to take that one down? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think, I think part of it that, you know, that, that kind of set us out on the right foot from the beginning was, you know, Travis just mentioned a lot of different mechanics kind of going on there. But, you know, the thing that, that we realized from the beginning was, you know, these needed to be on the ground floor with each other from the get-go in order to, you know, make sure that they were, in the end, that they played well together, they interacted well together, and, you know, it was just intuitive for the player. And <clears throat> and I think the thing that kind of knowing, okay, this is the tools that we have, we have these mechanics to work with, we know we want to do this kind of gameplay and here's what our levels look like. And so combining them in such a way that challenges the player to, you know, not only use quad wielding, but making sure he's eating some hearts and, you know, using, if he's getting overwhelmed in a certain situation, like, oh, I, great, I got to grab that shield, use the car door, throw it at some guys, you know, really make sure that all these things interacted well together, um, you know, was really the main idea kind of behind uh, behind the balancing and you know we knew it was going to be a challenge so we had to get it out there in the beginning and uh, you know just kind of keep iterating and lots and lots of focus testing um, you know because it could get complex at times but just through user feedback and continually refining the systems uh, you know we kind of ended up with with what we feel is a pretty intuitive uh, you know way to play the game depending on you know if you want to go shooting all the way or if you want to do Quad wielding, kind of mixing and matching, um, you know, it seems to seems to play well together. I think. What made you decide to enable the simultaneous use of the darkness and gun wielding in contrast with the combat mechanics of the first game? Um, yeah, I mean, there's this little section at the end of the first game that's a cinematic, and in the cinematic, uh, Jackie kind of goes wild, and he's he's using demon armies, ripping things down, he's cutting guys up, and he's shooting, and he, he's kind of doing. He's doing quad building, except it's it's not you know it's not a controlled it's not a player directed uh, um, moment in the game, and that was our inspiration to start that. We thought, how can we make the base level of the game be about using the darkness in this way? <coughs> and um, you know, when you start when you start thinking about it that way, and you start holding a controller, there's certain kind of intuitive leaps you start making about how you know if you had a, a complete dual wielding system, which meant each trigger would be a separate gun, well then that maps really interestingly to each of the demon arms, which could be on each of the bumpers on the controller um, when you're starting off. And so that's that's kind of what um, got us going down the path because we're like, well, you know, we're, we're all used to playing games where you know you switch. Um, which of the triggers or bumpers you're hitting depending on situations. So we thought, how could we just kind of make that all about, you know, using different weapons and those all to be available to you at the same time. Quad wielding is certainly a fun concept and from what I've been able to play, very well executed. Was there a lot of trial and error in getting it to work smoothly and flow properly in a game that has such fast action sequences? Um, yeah, like Dan was saying, we did, we definitely the balancing all of the aspects together, the powers and the quad wielding and the hard eating. That was something that we had to focus on quite a bit. Um, in terms of just the the straight up quad wielding, we had that really early, which um, which made it awesome. It, it, let, it let us help. It helped kind of us make the rest of the game so much easier. So um, it. It wasn't really so much trial and error on that part. It was, it was kind of like I said, understanding intuitively that this kind of feels like it works. And you know, sure, polishing up the guns more and and figuring out all the different things that that the grab could grab or what, how you could interact and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, we had that down down early, and I guess that's just a testament to some some of the great guys on the team here at DE that we were able to get that pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think you know, like Sheldon was saying, how 
early on it was it was kind of developed and implemented and seemed like it worked and then kind of from there it just you know became a matter of of fine tuning you know grab times reaction times and just kind of the you know a lot of the stuff that'll come out of out of testing and and just playing the game more and more and you know but having that base there you know really kind of set set us up for success in terms of getting the quad wielding to feel right and you know even down to the uh, the control schemes you know for, for whether you're on a, a gamepad or even mouse and keyboard you know it 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 just works really well which you yeah, know, con- control scheme was like control scheme was fun on the on the base of your earlier question Travis you're talking about you know how do you balance everything control scheme was a time where like when we were iterating on it, we we're like hmm can we ship this game with like a foot pedal or something <laughs> to, to, to cast a power or something so we could get them all out so like that stuff was that stuff was interesting and, and challenging but uh, the cloud wielding stuff again was, was pretty good luckily mm-hmm. Our next question asks, with their knowledge of the darkness, how much more of a challenge is the Brotherhood compared to other enemies in the game? Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, again, you know, kind of taking from the comics, having the, the Brotherhood know, you know, what the darkness is, what can defeat it, and kind of how it works, you know, let us kind of take that, that knowledge and put it in their characters in the game. And, you know, just as, as a, you know, kind of an easy, I guess, example to to explain would be the our, our support brotherhood, um, which are these guys with these massive light cannons on their shoulders. And they they kind of, they'll try and stay in the background, kind of stay near other heavily armored brotherhood, and they'll use their light to shine it on Jackie and kind of create this opportunity for their fellow the fellow enemies to to uh, get the upper hand on Jackie because obviously he's got this massive light on him. He doesn't have his darkness powers, so he's got to just rely on his guns and kind of maneuvering around. And Jackie will really want to try and get that light out. But this light guy, knowing that he'll try and you know avoid Jackie and kind of flank and and try and get into cover while still keeping light on him. So so they're definitely more kind of tactically involved and, and just knowing the darkness, they'll, they know its weak points, basically. So, you know, they're, they kind of got different different personalities and different types to, to help deal with that. Yeah, like they, you start, they start mixing and matching their tactics, mm-hmm. and that's when it gets interesting, right? Like, yeah. you know, you've got, like Dan was saying, the support brotherhood with the, um, with the light cannon, and you start, you know, an encounter that ends up mixing it up and has uh, one of the melee brotherhood that uses um, a whip, and yep. he can disarm you. So now imagine you're you've walked out, you've got your you got your two guns and you've got your two demon arms, you've got all your powers ready to go, step around the corner and support brotherhood blasts you with light. Whoa, what's that? You know, it, it also disorients you for, for a second while you're kind of adjusting to being in the light and your demon heads are gone and you can't cast your powers. And then this melee guy steps out spinning his whip and he flicks it and he disarms you. So now you have no guns, no demon arms, uh no powers, and you know, it's like run like hell at that point. Yeah. Um and they're smart like that. They'll they'll set up those situations to take advantage of you. So you really have to kind of use the other things that you know or, or kind of try to deal with that brotherhood support guy right away yep. or maybe use like a power like gun channeling so you can kind of see through the wall and kind of scout ahead that there's uh, there's the melee guy kind of laying in wait for you. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that way. Yeah, and, and I mean, you also notice just, you know, besides kind of the the powers and the weapons that they have, you'll just notice their behavior itself is also different from the other enemies in the game, you know, where the, the mobsters may seem a bit more disorganized and, you know, they're they're yelling different things and right. just even their behavior. And you'll see these guys and you're like, holy crap, you know, these guys, are they have a bit more military tactics to them and they seem more organized and they'll do, you know, some ambushing type things. And um, even just in the behavior, you'll notice that you know you'll you'll feel like oh I got to watch out for these guys and you really got to be on top of your game. You know, yeah, yeah. Their reactions are interesting too, right? Because yeah. like, you know mobsters are mobsters are scared of you, and there's, yeah. there's dudes that sometimes are just gonna they're just gonna run away. Yeah, they'll run. The, the brotherhood, yeah, the brotherhood are like they just call you a host, like they don't yeah. even dignify yeah, you. They taunt you. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's definitely a, a quite a bit quite a big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about the technical capabilities of the Evolution Engine, and more specifically, what it allows Digital Extremes to do from a gameplay standpoint with the Darkness 2? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Um, in terms of you know, Evolution, it's been really great for us because 
uh, one of the best things about doing something with an in-house engine means that the, the people that wrote the code are sitting right there with you. So, you know, if we're creating guys like the, um, I think, the, you know, call back to the last question, the support brotherhood, you know, they've got a real-time light um, on their uh, on their cannons, and by that I just mean, you know, it's dynamically casting shadows. It's it's not baked into the environment. Um, so you know, right there, you know, you get this kind of really interesting um, change in the environment just by bringing in an enemy. And that's one of the things that Evolution Engine is allowing us to do. Other things I think are about you know performance, frame rate, and uh, and being able to kind of process all the animations. I mean, it's a really it's a really animation dense uh, combat. And so being able to kind of roll with all that at the same time while keeping the frame rate rock solid, um, you know, it's just gameplay-wise, it's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the, to touch on the on the light thing again, too, I think one of the neat things, you know, and it, you know, again, having, you know, that team in-house and just the knowledge of the engine and, you know, kind of the, the technical capabilities of it, too, you know, how, uh, you know, how, how light was built into the game and into, you know the world, and uh, you know you get these bloom effects, and and really just being able to push, you know, light, uh, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term, pushing light to its limits in in the game, um, you know, in the engine. At the same time, you know, really helped helped uh, us make sure that the players kind of feel like they're Jackie in this world, and light is bad. You know, when you when Stuff starts happening with light, you know it's not a good thing, and and it just you know the engine really helps sell that, I think, to the player. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks, guys. Moving into some co-op questions now. Can you explain how the cooperative game works? How do the four unique characters fit into the Darkness universe and Jackie's story? Um, yeah. So through the game, when you're playing, um, Jackie collects relics. And when he collects these relics, he gets uh, dark essence that feeds into our progression system. And how that ties to vendettas is that you've got these four unique characters. They all have their own unique backstories and, and a story that you learn about when you play through the co-op campaign. They each have these one of these unique, um, especially powerful relics, and they give them um, a, a taste of darkness power. So, um, so basically, when you're playing in the uh, in the co-op game, you're playing. Um, an interwoven campaign with the single player. So, you know, an example would be at the very beginning of the game, Jackie goes to one of his right-hand uh, men, Vinny, and he says, Vinny, I need you to go find this darkness expert for me. Go find him. You don't have to be nice to him. Bring him back here. I need to talk to him. And when you come back to your mansion, you know, an hour later or whatever, you see uh, this guy, Johnny Powell, sitting there, and he's all be beaten up, and you start talking to him. Well, when you switch over and you're playing co-op mode in Vendetta's, um, the very first mission has Vinny, that, that same guy, coming out and talking to these four characters and saying, hey, the boss needs you um, to go find this guy, Johnny Powell. Go search him out. And so you kind of get, you understand now um, why it is, you know, and how that actually transpired. So, you know, it's neat because you get these four characters actually have some different abilities than what Jackie has, but they also, they also have some crossover. So it lets you use some of the darkness power as well at the same time getting unique experiences like, you know, a throwing axe that you can recall and a, um, a voodoo staff that lets you lift guys into the air and, and all sorts of different things that kind of fit within the darkness universe. What made you decide to implement a multiplayer component in the darkness too? Um, well, it, this actually is interesting. We, we started off and we thought, okay, making darkness 2, making a first person shooter. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, well, that means it's a competitive, um, is what you would do. And, and for us, we kind of went right back to our main pillar, the one I talked about right at the beginning of this, which was in service of story. And we thought if we're making something, if this game is about telling the player a story, the only way we can do multiplayer in Darkness 2 is if it is a, uh, if it's telling you a story. And that's how we kind of came up with the, with the co-op mode. And that's how we started working on these characters. And we worked with Paul to craft them. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's how it works. The original Darkness game had a pretty fun multiplayer, but we see that it's removed in Darkness 2 in favor of a co-op mode. Are there certain elements from the multiplayer that made it into the new co-op mode? Changing into a Darkling was the best thing ever. <laughs> well, you, can, you get to change into a Darkling in the, uh, in the single player game at, at a few key points. And uh, I, I guess that would probably be the, the limit. I don't know, can you think of anything else, Dan, that we, that we pulled over from the Darkness uh, 1MP? I mean, yeah, I think that's uh, not necessarily from the from the MP, but I think you know that is the the carryover into 
into the single player. Um, yeah, but again, I think on the on the characters themselves, just kind of the uh, you know the some of the weapons and special abilities that each character has, you know, touches on on things from from the single player and kind of you know again just just that universe of of the darkness. Yep. Great. Uh, let's talk about the graphic noir art style. Uh, first question here is the visual style experience is quite a jump between darkness and darkness two adopting a more illustrative and graphic style that's much more colorful than before. Could you offer some insight into the decision for this change? Yeah. Um, you know, a, a couple a couple of reasons, really. I think one of the things is, um, is that when the Darkness 1 first came out, it was actually pretty quite stunning uh, visually. Uh, you know, it was one of the first kind of realistic games, and we liked the way that, you know, it really stood out for its visuals when it came out. Obviously, from the time Darkness 1's come until Darkness 2, there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, realism has been done quite a bit. Um, but we felt like one of the things that was cool about that game is that there was a visual splash that it made when it came out. Um, and so that's, so that's kind of one side of it. The other side is that artistically, we were really, really inspired um, by the comic books. You know, when you start a project like The Darkness, you go right away to the source material, and you're going through the pages and pages of these these beautiful books, and there's huge splashes of color, high contrast, obviously they're hand-drawn, um, and you can't help but start thinking, well, why couldn't we make this? Why couldn't we make a game that looks like you're playing one of these uh, comic books? And you know, it just kind of works for something like The Darkness, because you do have big splashes of blood, um, and, and you do have you know, environments that are, are kind of diverse and interesting that you can uh, really play with the palette. So that's, that's what kind of inspired us there. Hello? 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 Did we lose everybody? Oh, no. Sorry, I was on mute there. Oh, okay. uh, the Darkness 2 definitely has a more colorful canvas than the previous entry, which dealt with lots of dark colors and shades. The Darkness 2 seems to work the entire color palette. What was the reason for adding more color to the series? I think, um, I mean, kind of like, you know, it ties a bit into that previous question, uh, you know, and as Sheldon was saying, you know, the artists were really inspired and everybody was really inspired by the comics. And that was, you know, it was, uh, it fed so much into the other decisions and, you know, it just kind of naturally worked its way into the art as well. Obviously it's, you know, both uh, uh, types of art. And so I think in terms of, you know, obviously we have the rich colors and the high contrast and the, you know, really dark reds and blood and all that. And I think in terms of the environments, <clears throat> you know, what was neat is when the artists were going about creating these, you know, concept pieces and then from concept to to in-game, you know, they still took that inspiration from the comic books and kind of, you know, not only was this scene visually interesting and told the story from just the geometric shapes and the buildings and the props that were in it, but also the colors, you know, and it kind of coming back to the colors where, you know, they're setting the mood and setting the tone and almost, you know, telling a story through color itself. And, you know, you'll see the moon and it'll be just really bright and oversaturated and, you know, it'll feel powerful. You know, it's not going to be this tiny little thing on the horizon. It's, it's there for a reason. And, you know, the artist's, kind of told a story by doing things like that or, you know, the the uh, clouds in the background or the sunset or, you know, the sides of a building or a facade and, you know, it really comes through in the color and not just, you know, the, the actual art that's in there, the props that are in there. But, you know, again, the color from the comic books, I think, really helped inspire a lot of it. And you guys have already kind of touched on this, but if there's anything else to add, the next question is, who came up with the idea for the cell shading look of the characters in the environment as it gives the game a comic book feel? Um, yeah, I guess that was internally here. I think, you know, myself, uh, Matt Trombley, the art director, and, and one of our other our lead artists, uh, Ron Davey. I mean, we were... We... It took us a while to get there, honestly. We, uh, we started off and we, we actually made the game at least at the very beginning when we were first prototyping it, we just decided to at least start down the real path. So we were just kind of going with realism and, and that's where that's where we were headed. Um, and then, like I said, we started to get really inspired by the, uh, by the books and we started trying all sorts of different things. And we'd, we'd, came, we'd come up with ideas and we'd kind of take them to the engine programmers and we'd say, 
hey guys, can you can you make us a shader that'll change all the textures to look like this? And and they'd try, and it would come back and we'd say, oh god, no, you know, it, it looks that looks terrible, or it's not going to work for so many different reasons. And uh, and so eventually, I think Matt came up with uh, just this this great target, and we just like he he painted over one of the shots in the game and just kind of gave it the whole look of, of how we would kind of feel <laughs> how we'd feel good about it. And we took that to the to the engine guys and they like I said, they tried again and, and they already kinda knew they're like, there's no way we're gonna be able to just procedurally change our objects into the into look like that. So uh so you know, we, we went to the art team and we presented it to them and we showed them what, what it is we wanted to do and, and why we thought it was cool and I think everybody there, once they kind of ran through it and got a feel for it, um just said, yeah, totally, we're in. And then we just went through and we, we did them all by hand. We just kind of, every texture in the game that you see has been hand-painted hand with the sketch shading in so that, uh, you know, it really feels like you're playing a graphic novel when you're playing the game. Thanks, Sheldon. Moving on to executions, um, question asked, with the executions being as popular as they are, did you ever think such a small part of the game could be as popular as it has become? Uh, Personally, no, I, I didn't. I'm, I'm always surprised that there's another execution trailer out. I, I just I assume that's just from demand and people saying how cool they are. Um, I would have been happy with, uh, you know, story trailers of people talking and stuff like that. But uh, but it's great. I love that that people like them because you know they were they were really fun to uh, to work on and really fun for people to animate and. Uh, and we had some twisted minds here, so it was great. It was great to see that stuff. It's great to see that stuff, you know, all over and people appreciating it. All right, Dan Sheldon, I think you guys both got to chime in on this next one. What's your favorite execution animation? Oh man, uh, there's so many good ones. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to to choose. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to. I'd have to say either the. I don't know. I guess I'd narrow it down to maybe the anaconda. One where it you know kind of wraps the guy up and bursts through his chest, um, or I don't know. I guess the execution's pretty good. I mean, I know. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew. And, yeah, and I knew Sheldon <laughs> knew I was gonna say it. But yeah. I mean, I gotta say it. It's, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's uh, it catches you every time you see it. You're still like, oh wow, really? Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I. I yeah, those are good. I, I like the I I like the wishbone. I think I just like the violence of the of the of the ripping in half. And uh, yeah, you know, I've I've done my share on Thanksgiving, so it's cool. <laughs> uh, did any cool demon arm abilities end up on the cutting room floor for being too violent or disturbing? Hmm, I don't think we. Things that got cut were definitely. I don't know if we cut things because they were too violent or disturbing. The the things we cut were probably because there weren't enough. I would say, rather than the other way around. I can't think of anything that we cut yeah. for for ultra violence. We just put it in the game. <laughs> Great. Um, and in the sake of time, let's uh, move on over to you know some of the darkness powers questions. Okay. Um, first one is, what are some of the new darkness powers? Wow, there's quite a few. Um, and it's pretty interesting. In the game, what happens is, uh, as you collect relics, eat hearts, kill enemies, you collect dark essence. And that feeds into a, a huge progression system, or a talent system. So the talent system really lets you customize Jackie how you want to, and lets you go down a number of paths. And some of them are executions, some of them for more for people that like guns. If you're going to go down powers, uh, there's a few uh, kind of big categories, and then there's some smaller ones. And the big ones, um, one is gun channeling. Uh, which lets you channel the darkness through your guns, and as you level it up, um, you can do things like see through walls and shoot through walls. When it's when it's on, you can actually have it auto target. Um, there's another power called swarm, which lets kind of like the demon arm spit this venom out into the environment that stuns nearby enemies, um, and after a while, it actually starts you know doing acid damage <laughs> to them and killing them over time. Um, and then of course, you know, we some of the some of the old faithfuls returned as well, like black hole and things like that. Did any darkness powers end up being excluded, such as the creeping dark ability? Um, well, I, I, I guess that's a yeah. That's that's creeping dark is an interesting um, 
interesting power from the first game. And what we really wanted to do was have moments that you used situation, like kind of situations like Creeping Dark um, in the game. And, and those are the situations where you actually end up using the Darkling. And for the longest time when we were doing that, we'd always call those the Creeping Darkling moments because really they're, they're our uh, homage to mm-hmm. that power. So um, that, that power isn't in as a, as a core power because we felt like the quad wielding really um, works up close and personal. We didn't really want the player snaking around and, and stealth killing everything. Um, but uh, but you still get a chance to do some of that stealth when you're possessing the Darkling. Uh, another question for both both you guys. Um, what are your favorite powers that players can look forward to? We'll go ahead, Dan. Well, um, I mean, I think like like Sheldon was saying, you know, the the gun channeling and and, and swarm and you know black hole are, are really fun. But I think some of the others, uh, you know, maybe that are. Uh, I guess my favorite to use and and kind of what's fun is you know I think players will find that they're using things in combination with each other you know as they get more familiar with the the quad wielding and the things that you can do and so um you know one of the ones I've actually just been recently messing around with is it it took a while to kind of get working right just getting all the things uh timing wise but it's called um uh, demonic lift and basically once you have that power you'll go and you can slash a guy in the air and he'll actually kind of float in the air and hang there for a couple seconds. So you can either shoot him out of the air, you can slash him out of the air. Or recently what I've been doing is slashing a guy, and then if there's a nearby pole, slashing that up in the air, grabbing it really quick, and actually tossing it at him and kind of skewering him out of midair. Uh, it, yeah, it feels pretty badass when you're doing it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, they're all fun to play with, um, but I'd, you know, I'd say that one's kind of my, my current favorite, I think. Yeah, and there's, you know, like, I guess powers are, are broad because of the fact that we have the the whole progression system. Mm-hmm. So, like, another example is there's something, you, if you go on the gun tree, you can get an ability called um, called Active Pump. And, and really how that works is if you're using a shotgun, you could use, you know, the left trigger to chamber a shell and the right trigger to shoot. So you can kind of get into this cadence where you're going right trigger, left trigger, right trigger, left trigger, and you can shoot a shotgun as if you're pumping it as fast as you possibly can. So I just like that, that kind of like is like an action movie fantasy mm-hmm. of mine. So it was, it was awesome that that's in the game and that's something that you can actually go and uh, get as a power almost. Great. With the skill trees, uh, are players supposed to try to obtain as many of the skills as possible or try to build Jackie to fit their play style? Um, I, you know, I think on a on your first playthrough, um, if you tried to get everything you possibly could, you could fill about two and a half um, trees of the four. So I think, you know, it, the pro tip for the first time through is, yeah, try to cater to your play style. What is it that you really like? Um, what you like trying to do. If you like using the demon arms, great. You know, grab slice and dice, which means every time you eat a heart, the uh, the slashing demon arm gets bladed and can one-shot kill guys. You know, and then, you know, maybe once you've gone through it one time and you want to see the other stuff, then then fill it out and, and try to get it all. But you can, but the cool thing is actually you can fill out the entire tree and everything is available to you all at once. Did Bullet Storm inspire the ability to increase Jackie's dark essence with a variety of gruesome kills at all? Not really. I mean, I, I, that's a really cool game, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. But there was, you know, we were we were pretty pretty deep in by the time uh, Bloodstorm came out, so we didn't see it until it was, uh, you know, until we were playing it last year around this time, I guess. Uh, will players have the freedom to utilize the darkness powers as they please to overcome enemies, or does the game direct your style of play? Um, I mean, I mean, I think. You know, again, to kind of touch on my point of, you know, the, the demonic lift ability where you can, you know, knock the guy in the air and then it's kind of up to you how you dispatch him. You know, that also plays into or, or kind of, in a way, answers, uh, I guess, you know, the rough answer is, is no, it doesn't necessarily dictate. Um, there's, you know, certain ways that the powers work best. If there's a group of enemies, you know, you can go and toss... Uh, you know, toss a black hole and suck them all in and, and deal with them that way. But then, you know, it's also if you had the black hole in the ground and there's an enemy above and it's in that, that radius and sucks them in, it might just suck them off and they'll, you know, they'll kind of get hurt from impact. So there's, uh, you know, there was definitely intention behind how players would use the, the powers. But, you know, there's really such a variety in the powers and going back to the quad wielding and, 
using grab and using slash, you know, it ends up, uh, you know, as, as Sheldon's put it a couple times, kind of a symphony of death, um, you know, where it is kind of up to the player, player's play style, um, you know, on how they end up using these powers together. Do you guys care to share a favorite moment, um, a certain intense firefight or favorite tendrils plus weapons combo? Hmm. hmm, that's interesting. I like Dan kind of that that one that Dan shared. It sounds sounds awesome. I haven't tried that myself. My, mine's usually along the lines of um, power combinations. So I, I really like kind of setting enemies up for an awesome gun channeling plus Heart of Darkness <laughs> with uh, uh, with Heart of Darkness lets you see through and shoot through the walls. So you get a couple automatic weapons for that. You know you can just unload. You're not tapping. You're just holding it down. And uh, and you know you you know kite them around a corner a little bit, see where they are, and then just unload gun channeling. I mean, I always I don't know. That's just it's just satisfying. I think it's like hearing the bass kind of ripping through my house at the same time, and and watching them kind of all explode is great. For those who haven't downloaded the demo, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, download it right now. <laughs> go, go get it. Try it out. Um, it, it's it's a really good introduction to the action of the game and kind of how quad wielding works, how graphic noir looks, and even a little bit um, giving you a story story introduction as well because it's the beginning of the game or at least some of the beginning of the game. So uh, yeah, try it out right away. Yeah, yeah, I think it does a um, it does a good job of kind of a, you know giving a taste of you know the, the quad wielding the story how we tell stories, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and what it's like to be Jackie. And, you know, it, obviously we had to kind of condense that experience down, um, you know, from how it's exposed in the main game. But, yeah, I mean, it does do a really good job of, you know, just kind of exposing the player to what they're going to experience in the in the full game. Uh, how has the feedback been um, on the demo? Have you guys been checking out the forums? You know, what are, what are people saying? <laughs> well, usually they say the secret to life's happiness is to not read the comments, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I can't help it. I mean, pe- people have been doing it's been great. It's been really great seeing people play it, and uh, you know, because I think a lot of people, when it's been this long between games, and you know, we're a new developer on the on the series, so uh, you know, seeing the reaction has been awesome, and it's been overwhelmingly positive. Yep. Great, second that. Um, and with a you know a few minutes left, why don't we go back to some of these questions that uh, you know kind of relate to the first darkness game? Um, what one item from the darkness were you most looking forward to improving with the sequel? Uh, I, for me, it was the shooting. Um, overall, I thought you know I, I love the I love that you had dual wielding in that game, and I love that um, there was a, a tying to the fact that you know you were a hitman, so you were you were co- you were very uh, capable with weapons. But I felt like we could bring something uh, to the gunplay that was kind of missing and make that feel like a really tight uh, shooter experience because, you know, let's face it, it's a first-person shooter. The shooting should be awesome. So we, we felt like that was the one thing that I really wanted to try to really improve on. Um, and like I said, I, I, I can't help but say this every time I talk about what we wanted to improve, and, and it was just like, you know, the minimum bar for us was have the same story impact. Yep. Right on, guys. Well, actually, looking at the rest of the questions, we've pretty much hit all these points. Um, So that concludes the Darkness 2 developer conference call. Uh, Sheldon, Dan, thank you guys very much. Uh, Thank you to everyone that's on the line. Uh, We uh, appreciate all the questions you submitted. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for your time, everyone. Great.